great. Good stuff. Children are a blessing from the Lord. God is so good. He is. We've probably all experienced lots of different things this week. If, we, if I give you an opportunity to share, uh, you know, something that you learned this week or something God did for you this week, we probably have something that we can share or that God did for us this week. And it'd probably be a lot, a lot of it would probably be different for different people. But there is one common theme here this morning, not just this morning, in all of life, is that God is good. He really is good. And PJ, thank you for, for leading us and just bringing us our, our, our focus, our, our mind on Jesus, the one song of um, God never letting go, through the calm, through the storm, God never lets go. He's just, he's just right there. He's a constant rock that we can lean on. Uh, and uh, then the song, I See Your Face, when we were singing that song, I was asking myself, like, where, where am I giving my attention? What is getting my attention? Where is my focus? And when we look at the face of Jesus and we focus on the face of Jesus, it's beautiful. There's a lot of things that we can choose to put our focus on. We can focus on things that's our choice. But when we focus on Jesus and on his face, it's beautiful. So thank you for, for that, uh, PJ. Uh, a few announcements. We're going to do the offering. While the offering goes, we're going to have uh, a few announcements. So the offering is for the building fund this morning. So we'll have a word of prayer for that. And then as the offering is going around, we have uh, a few announcements. So Father in heaven, Father, thank you for giving us the ability of to choose. And Lord, we can choose what we do with our time. We can choose where we put uh, where we put our focus and what we look at. And Father, in the midst of our circumstances, our situations that each of us in reality that that we live with and live in. I'm asking Father that we would take the proper time to focus on you and on your face and to recognize just you're beautiful because you are. And Father, it's in those moments too that where we can also say that you're so good. So Father, this morning, I want to say thank you for your goodness to us. And Father, the goodness, sometimes when we say goodness, in our minds, we think of everything going smooth like it should. But, Father, in your mind, it's different because sometimes it's not always just something smooth like we think. But, Father, it's in these moments that we can say you're good as well. So you're good. You're so good to us. Thank you for your goodness, Father. Thank you for the way that you blessed us this morning. Father, we have so many blessings that come from you. And so, Lord, we want to say thank you for the blessing. Thank you for life. Thank you for strength. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for friends and family here this morning that we can be here in this setting and just get together and worship you. Thank you for this building. Father, it's just a blessing to be here. 
Father, thank you for your presence, that we can experience your presence. And Lord, this morning as we pray, as we worship, as we sing, just the things we do here this morning, that we could experience more of your presence, but it'd be for your glory. Thanks for the gift and pray a blessing on the gift and the monies as we give to the building fund this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So, thank you, Daniel. The offering this morning is for the building fund. Um, here, Isaiah, here's your, I forgot about that. All right, just a few announcements. Uh, Door of Hope contacted me this week, uh, letting, them, letting us know about, uh, they have a ministry banquet coming up October 29, 29 at Shady Maple, 630. Uh, there's a poster on the back bulletin, but there's also small posters like this back on the back table that if you want to take one, feel free to take it, okay? So it has all the information on here um, if uh, that's something that you're interested in. So uh, just FYI for October 29. And just a few other dates coming up. Next Monday evening, October 18th, will be men's meeting at our house. And then a few dates that we have here, some things we have scheduled here for church coming up. October 31st, which is the last Sunday of this month, Ernest Whitmer is going to be here to share with us that Sunday morning. And then also uh, a little bit further down the pike, December 5, the first Sunday in December, uh, Kazakh is going to be having a presentation here. And for those of you that know Kazakh is what Sean Zimmerman and um, Scott uh, those will probably be the two guys that, that we know are uh, involved in. So they're going to be here December 5 to give a presentation on some of the things they're involved in. So those are just some things coming up, uh, FYI. And just getting started here, uh, I don't know if, if Barb is calling in this morning or not. She wasn't sure because of what she was, uh, the week that she had, obviously. I think most of us are aware of it. Barb was, was pretty sick this week. Uh, still dealing with, with sickness. So we want to have a special prayer for her. Text her last night. She said she doesn't know if she'll be listening in here this morning or not because she's, her body is just taking, it takes a lot of rest for what she's going through. But we want to have a special prayer for Barb. But is there someone else here this morning? Uh, just in, in um, maybe you have a prayer request. Maybe you have a praise report. I talked about just a little bit ago that God was doing something in your life this week. Whether we were aware of it or not is another question, right? Sometimes God is working and we simply miss it. I'm talking to, to myself probably more than anyone probably here this morning uh, where God is doing something and I just simply don't see it because I'm paying attention to other things. So is there something that God did for you this week that you want to share? A testimony or a, or a prayer request? Go ahead. If not, that's perfectly fine. Maybe next week, or maybe this week, we need to be more aware of what God is doing. So next Sunday, we could come and say, hey, you know what? God is doing something. This is what God... Lincoln, do you got something to say? What do you got? You got three ribbons. What all did you do to get three ribbons?
a pumpkin roll. That's awesome. Good job. Wow. I bet you ha- I bet you made your made your dad proud too, right? Three ribbons? Oh yeah. <laughs> He didn't do anything. I said, I bet you made him proud. He was probably proud of any dad that has boys and uh, they get some ribbons. It it makes us as fathers proud as well. And same for for girls as well. When you see your children excel and succeed in something, uh, there's an element of of joy and, and purpose and fulfillment that it brings. So good job, Lincoln. That's awesome. Someone else? Someone else at a fair? They won something? All right, let's have, we're going to pray for Barb, and maybe there's some other people that you're thinking about, you can pray for them as well, even this week, and just getting started with the message here uh, this morning. Uh, I titled it, When God Doesn't Make Sense, and I think there's probably all of us somewhere along the line had something happen to us where God just doesn't make sense. Jason, you have something? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, thank you for that. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, Janice's grandfather passed away, I think it was last Sunday night or Monday morning. I got a text early. Um, And the funeral is going to be this week, Thursday or Friday. Do you know yet? I know, I know. I I talked to Eduardo this week, and I asked him when the funeral was going to be, and they were, he had said, Thursday or Friday of would be this coming week, which is a awfully long time, I guess. But hey, that's that's fine. But yes, uh, Eduardo did share that to uh, share that with me as well to pray for Janice uh, with uh, with you know with the relationship they had there and just what Janice is going through now as well. So thank you for that. Any other prayer requests? Isaiah. You have your hand up? Oh, yes, thank you. Uh, Michaela is Michael and Hilda. Michael would be my younger brother. Their little two-year-old, is she two? Uh, Michaela is in the hospital. Uh, She had RSV, went in with RSV, and now she's on uh, a ventilator uh, right now down down in DuPont. So thank you for that, Isaiah. We'll pray for Michaela as well. All right, Father, thank you for this morning. Father, thank you that you are God and you're good. And, but Lord, sometimes in, in difficult moments, it seems like when we're, we're, we're stretched really thin is when we need you the most. And Father, you know that probably better than us. But Lord, I want to thank you that you promise us you never let go. You're with us through the calm, through the storm, through the difficult moments, through the good times. Father, thank you for your presence. And Father, there's, there's things that we don't understand. that on in this journey of life we experience. And so, Father, this morning, just as we look at that a little bit, Father, as we talk about that this morning, I pray that you would give us clarity 
on how to walk through these situations and, and how to deal with these circumstances and what our response should be in a situation like this or in the situations that we're going through when you don't make sense. And Father, some of them is, are, are these prayer requests this morning uh, for Barb. Father, I, Barb being in Haiti and just pouring herself into, uh, into the girls and into the home there, specifically Natalie, and Father, just being on the front lines and dealing with uh, the, the culture um, that she's in in Haiti, and just not even just the Haitian culture, but Father, specifically the difficulty that she's experiencing with uh, the riots, the kidnappings, the, all of that that's going on, Father, the pressure that she's uh, surrounded by, uh, it seems difficult. It doesn't seem, in, in our minds, it doesn't seem like a right time for Barb uh, to become sick. But Lord, I do believe that you have a plan for it. And Father, this morning, I'm asking, I'm praying for Barb that you could bring healing to her. Uh, I pray that you could give her strength uh, you could help her oxygen level to come back up, and Father, you could physically touch her this morning and heal her that she could regain strength, and she could be there again for Natalie and for the home, and so I pray, Lord, that you would also teach her and us what you want us to, to learn in this situation, but I pray a blessing on Barb this morning. Give her joy, give her purpose, give her strength, and also for Janice and for the family, for Eduardo and Janice. And for their family, Father, of losing their grandpa, Lord, I pray that you would give them strength, you would give them peace, peace that passes all understanding. That's what your word talks about. So that's what I'm praying, Father, that they would experience peace that passes all understanding. Father, thank you for Michaela and for the blessing that she is to, to Michael and Hilda and to so many other people. Father, we pray for healing for her this morning as well. I pray that you could strengthen her lungs, you could heal her, and Father, that uh, you could just touch her this morning. Physically is what we're asking for. And bless Michael and Hilda as well as they experience this time of, of Michaela being down at DuPont, that they could sense your nearness and your presence like never before. Thank you for what you want to teach us here this morning. Father, we want to honor you, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So all throughout Scripture, God does things, and he tells, told men and women to do things. He still tells us to do things sometimes that simply don't make sense. In our minds, they make no sense to us. Uh, you know, just, and you look at it, you start from Genesis all throughout Scripture. Uh, you can start with Abraham, a Abraham and Isaac. Like, the, the point of taking your son and going and sacrificing him. I mean, God, are you kidding? That just doesn't make sense to us. Now, we know the whole story, right? We know what happened, but I'm not here to talk about Abraham and Isaac, but I'm giving it, we have Abraham and Isaac, you have Noah building a big boat, you have Moses, you know, the things he experienced in the wilderness, striking the rock, and just some things that God said that in our minds are like, God, really? Are you kidding me? Gideon needs to go fight a battle, and God takes almost all of his army away. He kept saying, hey, get rid of men, get rid of men, 32,000 men. Like, 
Gideon, get rid of more men. Really? Yeah, that's what God says. And in Gideon's mind, I'm sure it's like, God, this makes no sense. But again, we know the story. Uh, but we're going to look at a story here this morning in 1 Kings 17. So you can turn to 1 Kings 17. We're going to look at this story. And before we read 1 Kings 17, we're going to back up just to get a little bit of what's going on here. The, the setting in 1 Kings 16, verse 29. We're going to read verse 29 to the end of the chapter just to give you a, an idea of what's going on here. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah... Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria for 22 years. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. And it came to pass, as though they had been a trivial thing to him, for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the sons of Nebat, that he took as wife Jezebel the daughter of Ethbel, king of Sidonians. And he went and served Baal and worshipped him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made him a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days, Hiel of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundations with Abiram, his firstborn, with the youngest son, Segub, and he set up the gates according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. All right, so we have a pretty, well, not pretty, we have a wicked king in place right now. Ahab was this guy's name. And the Bible says, it says right here, that he did more. Okay, it says he did evil in the sight of the Lord, which that is one thing. But then he says, Okay, I read it somewhere that he did, he did more than all the other kings. Okay, verse 33. Ahab made a wooden image, and he did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So we have a wicked king, okay? And we, we don't have to explain this, I don't think, because I think a lot of us probably know that Ahab was a wicked king. Not only was he a wicked king, but he went and married this lady named Jezebel which if you study the Bible, you know that Jezebel was very wicked as well. So we have a very wicked husband and wife uh, as king right now. All right, so that's, the, that's, that's the, the setting here. And they, it says very clearly, they worshiped Baal. Baal, at this time, well, he was a Canaanite uh, storm god, they called him. And he was considered to giving life to the plants, the, to water the plants and stuff. That was the, 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 one of the Baal gods that were, they were dealing with here. So chapter 17, we have a guy coming in here. His name was Elijah. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, all right, so here we have Elijah coming in here. We don't know anything about Elijah before this. All of a sudden, it, the Bible doesn't give a whole lot. Uh, it doesn't give much at all about Elijah other than this right here, that he was a Tishbite. He was in the inhabitants of Gilead. And obviously, Elijah was a prophet. So he comes and shows up to this wicked king, Ahab. And he says in verse 1, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall neither be dew nor rain these years except at my word. 
Then the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, saying, Get away from here. Turn eastward. Eastward, hide by the brook of Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, as I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and he stayed at the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him food and bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. It happened after a while the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which is about 100 miles from where he's at. Okay, And he was already running out of food and drink. Obviously, the Lord was providing for him. But so he had a hundred mile journey here. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose, Elijah arose, and went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate, this widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and he said, please bring me a little cup of water that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, He called her and said, please bring me a morsel and bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in the bin and a little oil in the jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I can go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. And Elijah said unto her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from the first, from it first. Bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the oil of, jar of oil run out until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of the Lord, and she and her house hold ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run out according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Isaiah. Now it had happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sick was so serious that there was no breath in him left in him, and he died. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? He said unto her, Give me your son. So he took him out of his arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on this widow whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and called out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child, brought him down from the upper room into the house, and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See here, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you're a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth is truth. All right, pretty long story here, but uh, some of us probably know it. This may be a new story for some of you, but we're just going to look at this a little bit. So we have this Elijah as a prophet coming to Ahab and saying, Ahab, it's not going to rain. Ahab is a very angry Probably very, got, got very angry, angry enough that he had wanted to kill Elijah. And so God tells Elijah, Elijah, you go and hide. I don't want you, well, I'm going to spare your life here. You go and hide. And he tells him exactly where to hide. And so he goes there to the book, uh, the, the brook Cherith, it's, it's called. Now, let's look at Elijah here a little bit. 
Elijah is being obedient to God. God told Elijah to do this. So Elijah does this. And now all of a sudden, Elijah has to run for his life. Like, this doesn't make sense. Shouldn't God, if we do what God says, when he says it, shouldn't God, like, just reward us? And, you know, life should be easy because we're obeying God. I mean, like, if my children do something and they're obedient, I want to, good job, you know, maybe give them a, a, a treat or a dog bone, you know what I mean. That's what, that's what, uh, that's what we tend to think sometimes. It's easy for us to get into the mindset that if we're obedient to God, if we're walking right where God wants us to walk, life should be easy. And so if we have a difficult moment, whoa, something's wrong. So we step back because this isn't making sense in our minds. But that's not what Scripture talks about. That's not what Scripture says. You see it time and time and time again, how when God does something, it's not always just a walk in the park. It doesn't make sense to us at this point. But the last, the final chapter isn't written here, right? So we have Elijah hiding. And, and you know, he took off. He's hiding for his life. And then the Lord, obviously, you know the story. We just read it. Uh, he provides ravens to bring him food. And I, I thought about, you know, we have Uber Eats, but Uber Eats was certainly not the first company, company, uh, to, del- to, to be a food delivery service, it goes way back to here. God delivered him food uh, by, with using ravens. Uh, so anyway, he's there, and of course it's not raining, and so the brook, he, brook that is there dries up, and so he has no water. And so now he's becoming, it's, life seems to be getting more difficult. Again, I'm being obedient to God, and the water that I'm drinking is running out. This doesn't make sense. God, I thought you should be providing for me right now when I'm in your will. And literally this creek is drying up and I'm not going to have anything to drink. So God tells him to go somewhere else. Verse 7 says, It happened after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came and said, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Zion. Sidon, sorry. And dwell there, and I've commanded a widow to provide for you. So, Elijah takes off. It was uh, about a hundred mile journey over to Zarephath, and as he comes in there, he comes walking in, and he sees a widow there. And this widow was there at the gate. It says she was gathering sticks, and he called and he said, "Please give me water in a cup that I may drink." All right, now let's switch into the widow's mind here. She's out gathering sticks. There is a drought in the land. It hasn't rained for a number of years right now. There was no water around. She's out gathering sticks. This guy comes walking in and asks her for a drink. Are you kidding me? Like, Elijah, what are you thinking? There's no water here. Why are you asking me for a drink? Not only that. I am here gathering sticks, and I'm about to make my last meal. 
then I'm going to lay over and die. That's how severe this was, the situation. Now, does God make any sense in this situation? To where she's a widow, she obviously lost her husband somewhere along the line. We don't know what happened with her husband, how her husband died, when her husband died. We don't know that. We know she's a widow. We know she has a son. And I don't know what for conversations went on between her and her son. But I'm guessing there were probably some difficult situations because they were about to starve to death. I don't know what I would say to my son if I would be in a situation to where we would be starving, literally. What would I say about God? Because this doesn't make sense. So Elijah comes in, and so he asks her for these things. Give me a drink. And then verse 11, as she was going to get it, he called her and said, Please bring me the morsel of bread in your hand. So she said. When I look at this comment of what she said, I think there was something about Elijah that he was carrying the presence of God. Because look what she says. She says, as the Lord your God lives. That's what she said. And so being in this pagan, Baal-worshipping era setting, Elijah comes in. I think she saw something in Elijah because to say that as the Lord your God lives, she recognized there's something... uh, a powerful God. I think she did. Uh, so he says, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and make my last meal that I may eat it and die. Then Elijah said unto her, Do not fear. Go and do as you said. But make me a small cake from it first. I find this interesting for uh, for Elijah as well. So this widow says, Elijah comes and asks her for a drink. Then he asks her for some food. She explains the situation. Then Elijah says, feed me first. And when I look at that, I see this, and, and I, I can relate to this. And I, see, I think there's often times where God says, give what you have. Once I see you've given everything, then we'll go to the next step. That's what happened here. Elijah make it, made it very plain to feed him first. And so, therefore, the widow would have had nothing. The one meal she had left she gave away. And I think there's times where God in, in, in our lives as well says, how much can I have? Can you give me everything? Everything. Once he has everything. I think this is a very vital part in, the, in this story. Once she gave to Elijah first, she had nothing. Not even the one. 
And then we know the story of what God did. For thus says the Lord, the bin of flour shall not be used up. And uh, from, from then on, God just kept the oil and the bin of flour. God miraculously provided for their food. And they just kept living and living and living. But up until that point, it didn't make sense for how difficult it was for the widow. So she had given everything up. Once she gave everything up is when the Lord started providing for her. So we know the story. So God was, was providing for them. Uh, but then in verse 17, it happened that these things, that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And he died. So now she's a widow. And her only boy gets sick. We don't know how long he was sick, but he gets sick and dies. Now this for sure doesn't make sense. Why does everything happen to her? She's probably asking that. Not only am I living in this drought, I lost my husband, now I lose my son. God is not making sense at this one for our, from our perspective. But again, the story is not yet finished. So we know the story here. How God uses Elijah and raises her son back to life, which is awesome. Hallelujah. I mean, she had a son. He died. And now Elijah, God helped Elijah, and he raised him up. And now she has a son again. Now, here's why I think it's very important with this story. In verse 24, I think this sums it up. Then the woman said to Elijah, now by this, I know that you're a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth is true. She recognized there's a God and he's real and he's true and it's the God of Elijah. And so when I look at the things that she has been through, things didn't make sense, ended up with a miracle. She recognized and she gave the um, credit to the proper place, and that is God. God came through. And she recognized that God is the one that did that. And so in your situation, our stories, and in my situation, our situation, when God doesn't make sense, I want us to remember that our story is not being our story is not finished yet. God is writing a story. And he sees what he wants in the whole book. And so what do we do? How should we respond? How do we respond when something so difficult comes up in our lives? And I'm sure, I mean, some of us obviously recently are, are, are experiencing some, some very difficult things. 
and it's not making sense to us. So what do we do when God doesn't make sense to us, when we don't know the end of the story? I'm going to ask a question here. What is more important? Is it the circumstance that didn't go as planned? Or is it my drawing closer to God through my circumstance? And I think the answer is obvious. The drawing closer to God through our difficult circumstance is valuable. And it's in those moments when it's really raw, when God isn't making sense, is when we cry out the most. Now let's remember, God is a relational God. And he longs to have a relationship with us. He knows quite well that in order to build a good relationship with his children, if he makes everything easy and smooth, he won't have much relationship with us. If he gives us some difficult moments, our relationship with him is going to increase. So our relationship with God is very important here. Let's not rule that out. So what do we do? When God doesn't make sense, what should we do? What should our response be? And the answer is actually all throughout the Bible on what we should do when God isn't making sense. The King James Version uses this word 134 times in the Bible. The Revised Version uses this word 147 times in the Bible. The Hebrew word is called betak. The word betak is in the Hebrew Bible 158 times. So what we're supposed to do when God doesn't make sense is in the Bible a lot. Psalms actually refers to it 39 times. It's a five-letter word. Yep, that thing doesn't have any tip on it. There's another one. Five-letter word. Trust. Trust means firm belief in the reality, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Bible time and time and time again tells us to trust. Trust in what? In Proverbs, it specifically says in Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verse 5, it says to trust in the Lord and not lean on your own understandings in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths, right? Time and time and time again, the Bible says to trust in the Lord. Lord, because you can put your trust in other things. You can. Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on 
your own understanding. So, there is ways that you can trust other things, but that's not what the Bible tells us to do in difficult moments. Psalms 20 verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we're going to trust in the name of the Lord our God. And so when God doesn't make sense, what the Bible tells us to do is to trust in the Lord and not put our trust in other things. I'm going to wrap this up with a story. And I'm going to read it. Louisa Stead and her husband and their four-year-old daughter lived in New York City. One afternoon during the summer of 1890, Louisa packed a picnic lunch, and their family spent some time along the shore of Long Island, playing in the sand, waiting in the ocean, enjoying a few hours of relaxation and rest. Mrs. Stead said to herself as she watched her husband and their little girl playing in the sand, my cup runs over. Her thoughts for the moment went back over the chain of events that had brought her to this happy hour. Louisa was born in England, and she came to America in 1871 to visit her family. She was deeply moved by the speaker's call for young people to volunteer for a missionary service in China. She decided to go, but she was rejected on the account of her health. There again would be a situation where God doesn't make sense a missions opportunity in China, and she's willing to go. But she can't because of her health. Later, she met Mr. Stead, and they married. God blessed their union with a sweet little girl. She often said, what more could I ask for in life than a good husband and a lovely little child? And a feeling that one has found his place in God's plan. But just then, as she was sitting along the shore, thinking back over the past, She saw a little boy out in the water beyond the breakers, struggling against the wind and the strong waves, trying to get back from shore. She called to her husband. That little boy out there seems to be in trouble. Without hesitating, Mr. Stead told his wife to look after their daughter, and he plunged into the waves. Louisa saw her husband reach the lad's side and place his strong hands around the struggling youth and began to swim back toward shore. But the boy... Instead of yielding himself to the strength and skill of the older man, in his fright, he kept struggling, pulling wildly. As Louisa looked on in horror, she saw the two of them go under the waves. Later they emerged, only to drop quickly out of sight again. She rushed to where her daughter was playing in the sand, picked the child up, held her so close to her trembling body. She called out over the stormy waves, hoping the words would reach her husband, Darling, where are you? The only answer was the echo of her own words. Later that evening, the body of Mr. Stead was recovered. The next few weeks were dark for that broken-hearted mother and her little daughter. She sought comfort from reading the words of the Bible and from singing songs from the hymns of the church. Not only were the months that followed sad and lonely, but coupled with grief, 
that was added by the burden of providing for her little family. One afternoon when the pantry was almost empty, there was scarcely anything left to eat. Mrs. Stead and her daughter continued to pray that God would provide for them out of his bounties. The next morning, she found a large basket of food on the front door and an envelope with enough money to buy shoes for the little girl. She was so uplifted by that experience that she began to write. And we're going to look at what she wrote just in a little bit. So we're, here we have a lady that God didn't, doesn't make sense in this situation. Went to the beach with her family. Her husband drowned. And she had a little four-year-old girl to take care of. And then she hardly had any food. And then she starts writing. And this is what she wrote. It's a song. So Jason, you go ahead and play it. And I just want you to look at the words that Louisa wrote at this time. Go ahead. so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know thus saith the Lord Jesus Jesus how trust him how I proved you more and more Jesus Jesus precious Jesus oh for grace to trust him so glad I learned to trust him precious Jesus Savior friend and I know that he is with me will be with me to the end Jesus Jesus how I trust him, how I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him. Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him more and more. Jesus, 
Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. I'm so glad I learned to trust Him. Precious Jesus, Savior, friend, and I know that He is with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I prove Him more. Precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him. So if you notice the one verse she wrote, how I learned to trust him. Trusting. is something that needs to be learned. It doesn't just come overnight that all of a sudden, oh, God, I trust you. No, it's something that we can learn. And as we go through life, and when God doesn't make sense in our life, are the moments that we need to trust in the Lord. That's what the Bible tells us to do. And as we keep trusting him, she wrote, she wrote very beautifully, even for grace to trust him more. Trusting in God is so important. So the title of the message was When God Doesn't Make Sense. And I want to wrap it up with it. When God doesn't make sense, and there are times that he doesn't make sense, what we need to do is to trust in the Lord in those moments. 
So I want to bless you on your journey. I know all of us are on different journeys. Um, in trusting in the Lord, in recognizing He's our strength, He's our stronghold. God is someone that we can that can be trusted as well. I mentioned just a little bit about you know there's some things that we don't want to trust in. But trusting in the Lord is a safe place. It's something that God, he, he'll, he'll never let you go. We sang about that. Through the calm, through the storm, God is there. And so I want to bless you this morning as you go and learn to trust in the Lord when he's not making sense. So thank you for coming. Father in heaven, Father, thank you that you are our God, you're our Father, and you're worthy of our trust. Lord, we can trust you. We know that you have our best in mind. We know that you see the whole story. And so, Father, in our circumstances right now, Father, a lot of us, I know a lot of us, Father, are, are dealing with something difficult. It just doesn't make sense in our minds. But, Father, I'm asking this morning for the grace and the courage and that we would learn to trust in you and rest in that trust, knowing that you got it. So we do, Father, this morning. We want to rest in your promises, in your goodness, in your love, in your mercy, in your grace, in your arms, and say thank you, Father, for what you're doing. You are a good, good Father. And so we bless you and honor you. Lord, thank you for the story that we had here this morning uh, about Elisha and the widow and also about the story in Luis. And Father, thank you for giving her the ability to write that beautiful song of just trusting you in a difficult moment. Father, you're good. Thank you for what you're going to do this week. Thank you for what you are doing. I pray a blessing on each person that's here. As we go from here, Father, may we continue to be your hands and feet for your honor and for your glory and that we could worship you. God, you're good. Bless each person here in Jesus' name. Amen.